everybody's gotta eat. And nobody likes getting sick. That's why heroes toil in the shadows, keeping your food safe at all points, from the supply chain to the point of sale. Join industry veterans Francine L. Shaw and Matt Ragusi for a deep dive into food safety. It all boils down to one golden rule. Don't eat poop. Don't eat poop. Hello, hello, Francine. Hey, Matt. I think we should do an episode where the second we get on the platform together, we just start recording. Because you and I have spent 25 minutes talking about what we're going to talk about in a podcast and then started the podcast. That would maybe not be a bad idea. <laughs> it would be very interesting. <laughs> well, I think it might be interesting. Our audience would be like, no, fail. Maybe we should just hit record the minute my face pops on the screen. It <laughs> 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 would be like, oh, wow, the stuff they talk about. Yeah. Well, the only interesting is if I did that and then I didn't tell you I did it either. I should probably start paying attention to these little lines at the bottom of the screen <laughs> to see what's happening down there. Yeah, that that is a good that is a good takeaway. Okay, so I'm excited. Before we jump into our topics today, when this episode comes out, we will be at Food Safety Consortium. We will be. We will be there next Tuesday. As you just informed me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Francie. You don't need to show up on Sunday. Wednesday. I need to change my reservations whenever we're done here. Tuesday and Wednesday, instead of Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Yeah. We'll be there next week. Yeah. So it will be so we'll be there at Food Safety Consortium. And this will be really interesting. This will be the first time we're gonna actually be interviewing people at the conference. Food Safety Consortium is has graciously let us go in and be there. And I think I mean, obviously it's mutually beneficial. And so thank you, Rick and and team for inviting us over there. This is going to be fun. So this is how excited I was. I was so excited to go to the consortium that I was going to be there on Sunday instead of <laughs> Don't spit your coffee all over your mic. <laughs> Literally almost spit my coffee all over my mic. <laughs> so excited that I made my reservation for Sunday instead of Monday. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe they'd like me to pop in and say something at the, what, what are they having? The, the training, I guess on Monday. <laughs> I yeah. I was showing up for whatever they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Pop in and talk at their trainings. <laughs> yeah. I don't think, I don't, I don't think it's said very often. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited about a food safety conference. I plan on going a day ahead of time. <laughs> geeks get excited about <laughs> <laughs> that's what they say anyway i don't know you know what though i was looking at the trainings and uh, you know i'm like wish i would have actually showed up a day earlier i think austin's shout out to austin for the food safety he's got like a food safety culture he and his business partner have a food safety culture training that day before on monday so that would have been kind of cool to go to. Well, and so important. Food safety culture is so important. And, you know, it, it's, we talk about this a lot. You know, everybody says that they have a good food safety culture and all you have to do is pick up food safety news <laughs> and see that not everybody does have a good food safety culture, at least not as good as they think they do. Everybody has a food safety culture. Some are good. Some are not. Fact. Fact. But- the guy's name is Austin Welsh. His partner is Richard Fleming. There with Gina Kramer. I really like Gina Kramer. I listened to her talk at the NRA conference, and she did an amazing, amazing talk. 
I don't know if you remember. Remember there was that massive, massive ground beef recall from I think it was Kroger, of like in two thousand eight, nine, something like that. She was the one that managed that, and it was like week number two for her there or something. I remember the recall. I don't know Gina personally. I know who she is, but I don't know her personally. I believe I've talked to her maybe a time or two, but I don't know her personally. Yeah. So she's great. Very personable. Very, very knowledgeable about crisis and food safety. And then Sage Media, Austin and Richard's company, they do uh, food safety training designing a food safety training and their trainings are awesome. They're like full featured video training, really trying to engage the audience that's going to be listening to it. I think you've met them at conferences, right? I have. Yeah. Good guys. Good guys. So yeah, if I was um, paying a little bit more attention, I would have seen that. And the only reason why I know this is because Francine booked her, booked her thing a day early and I was like, no, you don't need to be at the conference until Tuesday. What are you doing? Thank God. <laughs> no, but that'll be cool. So hopefully just, the content, it'll be interesting to see how the content is from that training. And if this is what happens when I book it myself. Somebody usually books it for me. <laughs> oh, really? You you don't book your own? I, I used to have people book my own travel. Somebody like books the event and says, you know, this is the day. <laughs> yeah. And I'll book my hotel. So anyway. So anyway, now that we've talked about that for, you know, I don't know how long. (laughs) (laughs) We're well into what we're supposed to be doing here. Yeah. So so I wanted to talk to you because my wife and I have been talking about this. She and I went back and forth on a bunch of articles from Food Safety News. And um, my wife works in the NICU at a hospital. So all the formula type stuff is very, very high on her radar. And this this last couple of weeks have been a lot. There's been a lot in the news on baby formula again and baby food. So she was like, oh my gosh, Matt, you have to talk about this on your podcast. But yeah, so there are a few things, a few different articles for baby food and baby formula. One is a baby manufacturer, baby food manufacturer in California got a warning from the FDA about a consumer complaint for infant botulism. Gosh, can you imagine botulism as a baby? I oh. No, I cannot. Nor can I be imagine being the parent of that baby who got botulism from the infant formula, especially after what we just went through not all that long ago with the baby formulas, formula shortage and all of that travesty. Now, if you remember... The FDA sent out letters to all of the formula companies saying, this is what you need to do. And I made the comment, basically, they're telling them that they need to do their jobs. Yeah, yeah, that they need to do their jobs. That was basically the letter. And isn't that going to be effective? And here we are, how many months later, and how much attention does it seem that they paid attention to that? Yeah, it's like two months later. And I mean, so on Food Safety News, they went through this article, and I'll, and we'll post it on the on the thing below. But the FDA went in there and found a whole series of problems again, just like the whole entire thing with Abbott when they went through and then described all the problems that they found. So they did um, good agricultural practice, sorry, good manufacturing practice audit on this company, and they found a lot of problems in there, like basic, basic GMP problems. 
And I'm like, my gosh, this, they would have failed an audit. So talk about some of those problems and what they were. I don't have the list in front of me, but I did read the article. Yeah. So like number one, the firm's hazard analysis. So HACCP stands for hazard analysis, critical control points. And so you go around, you look at your hazards, uh, your potential hazards, and you put processes in place to minimize the potential of those hazards. And those hazards are three different types of things. One is biological hazards, one are chemical hazards, and one is physical hazards. So like glass, metal, that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. You don't want any of those shards in there. So the firm's hazard analysis did not identify or evaluate known or reasonable foreseeable hazards to determine whether there are any hazards requiring a preventive control for the refrigerated, ready-to-eat, RTE, uh, baby food. So they literally just missed a bunch of stuff on their HACCP plan. So, like I, I, I get it if you are a if you have a packing house and you're packing apples or whatever, and you've been doing it for like a hundred years, and you're like, oh my gosh, I totally missed the potential of this watch step being a hazard because they just they just didn't know. the The risk on that is so low that there could be a potential. It kind of just falls off of people's radars. The risk of baby food, where you are processing baby food. And you're providing it to babies that have like the lowest immune, like they have the highest immunocompromised population. Like the only thing higher than that is like people that are octarians with cancer, right? And you just don't have your hazard, like your your hazards pinpointed for a HACCP plan. I, I just I, I just can't even figure that out. Like, do they not have a food safety person there? We don't know whoever who's going to eat any of the food that's processed ever. No matter what we make, we don't know who's going to consume the food. Ever. That's true. Okay. So, and there's always a risk regardless of what we're making or processing. So they didn't care. Yeah. They just didn't care. How often is your HACCP plan supposed to be updated? At least annually. But uh, at least annually or if you change anything in the process after you've created the HACCP plan. So if you're adding right. new equipment or adding new chemicals, adding new something – then you have to update your HACCP plan with that. Exactly. So at least once a year, and in reality, it probably should, in air quotes, should be updated more frequently than that. In yep. reality, how often do they get updated? Uh, that, is a, that is a tough question because there are amazing companies that do update everything regularly. I would say on average – if someone's trying to just pass a GFSI audit, the average corporation is looking at their HACCP plan annually for their audit purposes. And for those that don't get audited? They may not even have a HACCP plan at all. Or have poor auditors. Yeah. Even poor auditors would pick up that they haven't updated their HACCP plan. I mean, even because you could say you've looked at the HACCP plan, nothing has changed. And then just change the date of the review okay. process and sign okay. it or whatever. I'm, I'm just being a devil's advocate here. No, 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 100%. So then what happened here? Well, that's a good point. They could have done the HACCP. The FDA doesn't say they didn't have a HACCP plan, right? So they did right. have a HACCP plan. They just missed potential hazards. You're absolutely right. If they do have a GFSI audit, which now I have to see if they do. If they did have like some sort of audit, then the auditor missed it 100%. And that, that totally could happen. That totally could happen. The auditor walked down and just wasn't paying attention to certain steps or doesn't really, didn't really understand the process very well and missed it. So, you know, I just, I, it shouldn't have happened. And their internal person 
do they have an internal person? I mean, I don't know. Doesn't do they have a food safety person? Yeah, I don't know either. It's Ocean Atan company, by the way, and you'll see that in the article down below. But um, yeah. And these are questions. I ask these questions because these are questions that need to be asked. Who did they sell the formula to? Well, it's not formula. This is baby food. Or baby food. I'm sorry. You know, these, when you're working, when you're, when you're buying products, you know, these are questions. Do you have a HACCP plan? Can we see your HACCP plan? There's nothing wrong with asking to see a HACCP plan, have a copy of a HACCP plan. Well, most, most retailers, or I should say a lot of retailers and food service companies will ask for the HACCP plan for their suppliers. They'll, they'll ask for their third-party audit. They'll ask for right. a HACCP plan. How many look at it? Well, that is a very good question. I would say um, I know of a few major retailers that do actually look at everything and um, a couple of major produce distributors that look at everything. I'm not criticizing anybody. I'm not, no, I'm, no, I'm, but I'm I would making... say the majority don't because they have thousands and thousands of suppliers. Right. And it's difficult. And so unless you have somebody on staff that that's their responsibility and that's what they do. And, and you may have, you have low risk items and you have high risk items. So unless you're looking, you know, you have somebody that's, it's their job to do this, that could be a full-time job to review yeah. those materials. So, you know, and I'm asking this because, you know, our job with our podcast, and this was a point that I was going to make later, is there are different types of food safety podcasts. A lot of them are geared towards people that work in our industry. Our goal is for anybody to be able to listen to our podcast and understand what it is that we're talking about. Right. Not everybody, the average consumer doesn't understand how this works. Yeah. How the process works. So I think it's important that they do understand the steps and how it works and where the weak points in the process can be, where those missing steps can happen and how this can happen and why it does happen. Yeah. And it's important that somebody ask these questions. Well, and the FDA actually took, so there's a part of this article too, and we'll have this down. This is, this is a big read because, um, you know, food safety news will have everything on there. And they, on this one, they put everything on there, the whole entire FDA investigation. And they found botulism spores. They didn't find toxic botulism spores within the product, but they did find botulism spores. So this facility had a lot of issues. A lot of issues. A lot of issues that if it was uh, that a good auditor had audited it, they would have found it. Just sad. So this will be this article will be down there for for people to to view. But the un- want to move on to another thing. <laughs> so the FDA, like what Francine and I are talking about, moving to infant formula. The FDA went and sent a letter to the infant formula industry and was like. Basically, it's a public letter, so everybody can read it. And it was like, hey, everybody that provides formula, kind of disappointed in, in how you guys have been managing your facilities and, you know, like the whole entire shutting facilities down during COVID and then having parents having to buy cans of formula for a hundred bucks on eBay because they couldn't get it in their actual grocery store. Yeah. You know, we've been inspecting your facilities again after opening them up and you guys still are not doing very well. Can you please do your proper GMPs, right? I mean, basically what the letter says. Right. FDA, very, very smart people, big vocabulary, explained it a lot differently. But that's basically the gist of it. 
So they came out in September and was like FDA evaluation of infant formula response. So now there's a 10-page document of the expectations for the infant formula industry and what the inspectors are supposed to be looking for when they go in to the facilities to make sure that there isn't chronobacter or salmonella growing in that facility. And so making sure the processes are there, the testing is there, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know. Hopefully the industry will download this document and start complying with it because it sounds like the FDA has kind of lost patience. As they should. Yes. When you start killing babies, it's kind of serious. I mean, I would think killing people in general is a problem, but the general public doesn't take too kindly to people killing babies. No. Or making them sick. 100%. You can have the most cantankerous, crotchety, old curmudgeon be like, ah, kill them all. And then be like, give me the baby. Save the babies. <laughs> Save the babies. Yeah. Maybe maybe you don't want to hold the baby, but definitely doesn't want to hear the baby crying because it's sick or anything like that. Yeah. No. Uh, pulls on the heartstrings, you might say. Yeah. But again, it goes back to these are the most vulnerable population as well. So it's like you you almost want to be you want to be doing everything right to begin with, but you definitely want to be doing everything right when you're providing a product to the most vulnerable populations, whether that be babies or exclusively to babies. I mean, I don't know. I don't think anybody else is drinking baby formula that I'm aware of. <laughs> I don't know, man. I've, I, I, you'd have to, I don't know. What I hesitate you'd have to, to say there. exclusive or none or all. <laughs> yeah. We, we have a rule in our house. Um, so I, we, we have kids with special needs. And so two of my boys, they're 12 year olds now, but two of them spent four months in the NICU. They were born at 25 weeks. So very, very, very premature. And when they came home, they had all of these different allergies, right? Because their body being born that early just didn't create all the right stuff that needed to be there in order to consume regular formula. So we had to give them like all this special formula and all this stuff. And then when they started being able to eat like real food, we had to be very careful about what we gave them because the different stuff. Well, man, our my babies just would not eat certain things that my wife was trying to give them. And so I started eating, like trying it and being like, well, how bad could it be? Literally, and I eat almost anything, unfortunately. <laughs> when you look at me, you're like, yeah, Matt, you do. <laughs> but when, when – so I, I t- tasted this. And I like spit it across the room. And so then I had a rule. My wife and I then created a rule for each other that we would not feed our children anything that we would not eat ourselves. So I have tasted formula. And while it is not terrible, it is definitely not good. (laughs) Like there is the blandest to just nutrient-based food there is. Well, I'm certain when my children were babies, I probably tasted it. I mean, who doesn't? You know what I mean? Whether it's – is it too hot or – you know what I mean? Yeah, Not yeah, yeah. Not yeah. it out of the bottle, but, you know, <laughs> licking it off the back of my hand or something. I don't know. <laughs> but I'm thinking people don't typically make themselves a glass of formula. <laughs> yeah. Like, man, I got Oreos. I'm out a lot of milk. Maybe I'll make myself some formula myself to some dump formula. these things into. <laughs> uh, no, that would not be good. It's not good. No, Francine, you're you're probably correct. Unless someone is starving to death and those are the only calories that they have, they're not. I mean, I don't know. What's in sure? 
I've tried both and sure tastes a heck of a lot better than well, there you Indian go. I don't, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah. I don't Indian know. food formula would be better if you added vanilla to it or something. I I'm know. thinking I probably need to put some Nesquik in it or something. Nesquik. That would be good. <laughs> that won't make anything good. There you go. Starbucks and Nesquik. We need you guys to sponsor our show. Way off track again. <laughs> so before we started, we were talking, you mentioned something about boiling water. Where was Yeah. Where- so that goes back to the temperature thing. So, you know, back when you were making formula for kids or whatever, baby, your babies, what did you have to do? Heat it up in the microwave, then shake it, make sure that there's no hot spots in the water and then add the formula. Did you have a microwave back then, Francine? You know, we boiled it on the stove. <laughs> and then, <laughs> laugh at me, young man. <laughs> you had a stove, though. You didn't have to use, like, wood in a fire or anything like that? No. And then I was very fortunate and got a microwave a few months later. But, yeah, I do remember boiling that, boiling it in a water. In water on the stove. Um, and then we, you know, I did get a microwave, though now they, they're like, oh my God, you can't put it in the microwave. But yeah, that's what we did. I mean, of course, I breastfed both of my babies too. So there's that. Right, right, right. I mean, but but like we we did as well, our biological children, but we, we can't breastfeed our foster children. <laughs> Maybe I could, I don't know. Who <laughs> <So> are we? <laughs> So yeah, formula is a thing for us, right? Because we uh-huh. we foster special needs babies, and so it's not only do we have to provide them formula, but because they're special needs, they're already impro- immunocompromised to begin with. But then they're also superly immunocompromised, depending upon what their situation is. So my wife is like really, really cognizant of anything that has to do with 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 formula and babies and making them sick. I mean, she she works in in a NICU. And is uh, about to, as a CNN, a CNA, she's about to get, she's finishing up her nursing degree in December. So yeah. So I sent her this article and it says the study, study raises infant formula preparation concerns. And uh, so I'm just going to read the beginning of this because some people listening to this may have the same machine that I do, which is, which is like a, like an instant coffee making machine, like an espresso, oh. but for formula. So it actually like heats the water up, puts the right formula amount together. You stick the bottle in, you push a button. It's like the greatest 150 bucks I've ever spent. Makes formula perfect temperature really quickly. But the National Health Service and the World Health Organization, so NHS and WHO, are worried about these machines because they're not boiling the water ahead of time. And my wife and I are like, wait, why are they boiling the water? Why do you need to boil the water? Like it doesn't say on the can that we have that they need to boil the water. My wife in in a hospital, she adds ice cold distilled water. So the water that we're using does not have bacteria. It shouldn't have bacteria in it, right? Unless there's something wrong from the, the manufacturer. But they're saying that the, these machines don't boil the water. The water needs to be boiled before and then cooled down before adding it, the formula to it. And I'm like, we're, we're looking at all the jars that we have a formula and nothing in that, nothing in the formula jar on the formula jar explaining the process of making up a bottle. It says that we need to boil the water and then cool it off. So 
I'm not sure what's going on and if the the industry is now are now going to adopt these new expectations that the water has to be boiled and then cooled down or if it's only if you suspect the water could have any type of bacteria in it. The, the question is, are we boiling the water to kill the bacteria that's in the product or are we boiling the water because of the problem within the machine? So when I first read this, both my wife and I were looking at this thinking that it was boiling the water to kill whatever may be in the formula. And then my wife is like, oh my gosh, this sounds like poisoned where we could just allow salmonella and the chicken and it's up to the the wife and mother to make sure that there's no bacteria in the product by bringing it up to the right temperature. But it doesn't seem like that's it at all. I've been looking at this over and over and over again. No, it's 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 bringing the water to boiling to then cook off whatever potential bacteria may be in and chemicals because I'll get out rid of a lot of the chemicals in there too. Um, and then bringing the water back down to temp and mixing it in formula. So it's a formula problem. No, it's supposed to be the hot water problem. Uh, it's supposed to be the problem with the water, theoretically. So if you're water in your home. I know. I, so it's it's confusing. And if it's confusing to me as somebody who follows food safety news, then it's definitely going to be confusing to consumers. And uh, like, obviously, as we've seen in the- um, I haven't read that. So I guess I- I need to read it. I haven't read that article. Yeah. So it says powder infra formula, PIF, everything has an acronym, is reconstituted in liquid form by adding water. Correct. Uh, PIF cannot be made sterile and may contain bacteria, including salmonella and chronobacter. And the National Health Service, see, this is where it gets confusing. So the National Health Service and the uh, uh, World Health Organization advise that water be used to make infant formula should be boiled and cooled so that it is at temperature at least 70 degrees Celsius to eliminate bacteria. It's a formula problem. It is a formula problem. You're right. So I kept reading that back and forth. So yeah. And so they're saying that the water should be at 70 degrees Celsius or 158 degrees Fahrenheit to kill whatever is in the in the formula. So then my wife is like, that makes zero sense. And if that is the case, so that makes zero sense that basically consumers have to kill their own bacteria and product that should be sterile. So what they're saying is they can't make the formula sterile. All the formula, there's a chance that that formula could have bacteria in it. Right. So you need to make sure that you're boiling that water in the event that that powdered formula has bacteria in it so your baby doesn't get sick. Because if you don't right, boil right. the water, it's not going to be hot enough to kill any potential bacteria that might be in that formula. They need to put that on those cans. They don't have that on the can at all. But not only do you need to boil the form, f- formula, right? They're saying you need to boil the formula, then cool it down. So you're taking it to uh, over 200 degrees, around 200 degrees, and then bringing it down to 158 degrees. Well, you're not going to get- Has anybody in- does is anybody in the World Health Organization or National Health Service have they raised a baby before? Like in the middle of the night. So I just fed my baby this morning at four o'clock in the morning. Four o'clock in the morning. I'm gonna go boil water at four o'clock in the morning. Then I'm gonna take my my thermometer and add ice to it to get to 158 degrees before adding it to a bottle. Then cooling it down further because the baby can't be drinking formula at 158 degrees. That would burn her. So then now I have to cool it down further because the industry can't can't get the formula to not have salmonella and chronobacter in it? I would pre-make bottles. Right. Right. 
<laughs> problem solver. <laughs> but then if you pre-make bottles, then if you don't get that perfectly right and you know that there's a potential for salmonella and chronobacter in there, if you pre-make the bottles, you have the potential of well, that's of, why of growing the form, growing the the bacteria in the bottle. You're pre-making because you're boiling the water and dumping it in there. Of course, then you have to cool it down before you put it in the fridge. Oh my gosh! Don't let it sit on the counter too long. Yeah. So my my wife like flipped out over this. She was like, "This is ridiculous," and this is not what's happening in the hospital because she just made a bunch of bottles and she was like, "I just made a bunch of bottles, Matt, and we." use ice cold sterile water like distilled water and we mix it with the formula and then they bring the for- then they bring the bottles up to temp when they feed to feed it to the baby oh, right but they're they're not boiling the water with the formula in there so if that's the case then you need to change the process on the on the side of the container well and they need to label they need to properly label all of those can- containers from what you just read to me the problem sounds yeah. like the, the formula is not sterile they can't guarantee. They can't, yeah, that, that does, that's exactly what they said here. They can't. I was like, "What are they really saying this?" No, it must be a water issue. But no, it's the. You're right. It's the formula issue. Say that again. I like the way that sounded. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> it happens occasionally. <laughs> Francine, a, okay. a stopped watch is right twice a day. <laughs> and what, what is the what is the infant formula company going to do? Are they going to say, "Oh, on the side of the bottle"? Due to the fact that we cannot guarantee that there is no uh, pathogens in our product, you now have to cook it. I just, it just, it, there's no way they're going to do that because that would scare the heck out of everybody. Which is exactly what the World Health Organization is saying: is like, hey, producers, you need to scare your consumers into into doing into killing the potential pathogen that you cannot do. It's going to be like the consuming undercooked food disclaimer. Yeah. Not ready to eat. Yeah. Uh, what a pain. Cause uh, this is now has to make us figure out what we're going to do now because those machines are so convenient. Well, so that best investment you just ever made just became worthless. Yeah. What am I going to do? Put it on, give it to Goodwill? No. I got to get rid of it. I can't give it to Goodwill. Use it to make hot tea. <laughs> Chocolate milk. Oh, no, that would be terrible. Gosh, washing that thing? No. No, maybe hot chocolate. Like, no. You can't put milk through that. No. Oh, no, because you probably can't get it completely clean on the inside. Right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I couldn't do milk. It's like it's like a Keurig. It's so cool. It like heats up the water, sends it in the formula. You just throw the can of formula into the hopper. Um, everything mixes in the bottle beautifully. God darn it. Till right now. Formula producers, get your shit together. Come on. Just ruined your world. 100%. My wife is not happy. And if my wife ain't happy. Ain't no one happy. And there's a lot of people in our household. You know, they say like, <laughs> if mama ain't happy. Ain't nobody happy. That's like 12 people ticked off. <laughs> it's a cloud Sorry. hanging over. No wonder why. It snowed last night in, in Colorado Springs. <laughs> and it's because of this. Oh, so annoying. Okay. Uh, okay. So let's talk about something a little uh, – I don't know that I'm going to say happier because it is not happier. But my God. <laughs> my God. So it is time for our end of the show 
fascinating topic. Oh yeah. Are you going to be, do you have anything that, that is better than Adam Speck's um, breaking wind in class? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because it's like, you know, I go from that to posting, you know, I wrote, was interviewed for food engineering magazine. And it's like, I felt like I had to post that because it's like, we, we really are professionals. <laughs> it's like, just after some of the stuff we say and do it, it's like, does anybody ever really take us seriously? <laughs> you know what? Yeah. I, I think a lot of people actually do, but luckily they're like, nah, uh, yeah, right. Cause I have to, I have to write an article about aspergillus. Oh man. Sounds serious. <laughs> oh. Uh, it's super painful. And then another one I have to write is uh, the cost of recall. That actually is really Oh, that sounds interesting. Both very, very serious topics. Yeah, it's funny because sometimes I listen to these. Like I told you about, I listened to the one on the way. It was late coming home from the airport. And I was listening to the one about eating placentas. And I'm like dying while I'm listening to this. And I'm like, I, I just don't know how anybody can ever take it seriously again after I'm talking about pickled placentas. <laughs> <laughs> that's like that's even more processing than they than they actually like destroying myself here. <laughs> uh, okay, so what do you got for us, Francine? But then Melissa points out today that in the Washington Post, <laughs> and if they can talk about this, hey, <laughs> why we can't stop watching terrible TikTok cooking videos? My God. <laughs> The stuff that is in here, Matt, is like unfathomable. Uh, there is this guy, Barfly7777. The stuff that he is doing is the stuff that nightmares are made of. I am <laughs> like, Melissa was watching this, like when she was doing some research for me, and I heard her back in her office gagging. <laughs> And she was back in her office gagging while she was watching the stuff that this guy was doing. So he was actually he was actually doing it. He was not reposting other people's stuff. Oh no, he's doing this stuff. This is so what like so you have to explain what is he doing? Wait a minute. I need to find I need to find one here. I had this stuff all pulled up and then I got wrapped up in, you know, the seriousness of the FDA <laughs> baby formula thing or and the the, yeah. the baby food. So here he is. I saw one where he threw a steak. He's in the bathroom in a hotel room. And he like threw a steak in the back of the toilet tank. He's like cooking a steak and he threw it in the back of a toilet tank in a hotel bathroom. Like what is it? What was the point of that? Here's one. He's deep frying, uh, he's washing, he's washing his dishes, making macaroni in a hotel bathroom. Um, oh, the, here, this, this one. In this one, whole bathroom fried chicken. Whole bathroom fried chicken. How is he frying the chicken? He is dumping, right now, he is dumping the whole chicken into the bathroom sink. He just dumped milk on it. He's dumping seasoning. He's 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 rinsing it around in the bathroom sink. He just put a metal kettle on top of the single burner thing on the counter. He's got like flour and seasoning. He's just 
Oh my God. The milk and stuff. He's shaking the chicken off in the sink. And now he's breading the whole chicken on the bathroom sink. (laughs) He just took like this steak type thing, shoved the chicken down on it. And it's in this metal pan, deep frying on the bathroom sink. What is he? How is he deep frying it? In this single burner thing that he had grease in it. And he stuck it on this. It was like a spike thing. And he stuck it down in this pan that was on this single burner unit in the bathroom and he had hot oil in there. <laughs> now he's laying on the hotel bed eating it. <laughs> Who does this? Well, obviously he has an audience, Francie. Well, that's the thing they said. It's like they do it primarily for views, but like he's eating it. <laughs> he's really legitimately eating it. Uh, Let's talk about how many health code violations were in there. Granted, he's he's eating it. He's not selling it. He's eating it. But what's wrong with this? You you can legitimately get sick from the toilet lids up. You know he's gone to the bathroom in there. There's there's this guy on YouTube. I have to I, I, our our TikTok. I have to shoot your your way. He's a comedian <gasps> and he's hilarious and he. Go ahead. What were you like thinking about? It's a steak. He just dropped it in the tank in the back of the toilet. <laughs> he put tater tots in the in the unit. He's got some kind of thing down in the back, the tank of the toilet. I don't know what he's doing with that steak. And he's chopping up shrimp and stuff on the countertop. What is that thing in the back of the toilet? I, I got to get in a radiation device because I go, I'm, I'm, I'm like an ambassador for Marriott. I'm in hotels all the time. I need to get one of those handheld irradiation devices and just go through and just kill everything around the. Look, I'm struggling. <laughs> Look on your face right now, Francie. <laughs> He's got something in the toilet tank. Oh, he, laid, he just laid the steak on this single unit burner, flat on the burner. This has like, I don't know how many millions of views, like five million. I don't know what that thing is. It's swashed in the water. I don't know what that thing is in the back of the toilet tank. <laughs> You look like you look like a like like a little girl who's who's something bad has just happened and your face is like, <gasps> like wait did they really do that oh my gosh oh my gosh okay so there's this guy on TikTok he's a comedian and a lot of the stuff that he does is you can't eat at somebody's house and he has this song that he sings and and there's tons of different stuff that he shows that is just absolutely gross. And the song he has, the background goes, uh, what is it? It's something like, uh, you can't eat in everybody's house. You can't eat in everybody's house. He's a Southern guy. And one of them was, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so accurate. One of them was, they're like, for a healthy alternative to mozzarella cheese, you can use a bull's testicle for a burrito salad and, and, and uh, like cutting up the testicles and it looks just like mozzarella and then they stick like tomato and basil on it and then in the background is you can't eat in everybody's house you can't eat in everybody's house and that is 100 accurate i would not be eating at that dude's house not a chance he might have fried that oh. He might have fried that chicken up in the hotel bathroom, brought it home, zero refrigeration on the car seat or in the trunk of the car. Right, right, right. Like the farmer that came over to your office. <laughs> well, on that note, Francine, don't eat poop. Oh, no. Or chicken. 
made in a bathroom sink at a hotel. I can assure you that when I'm in my hotel next week at the Food Safety Consortium, I will not be frying up any chicken in my bathroom sink. <laughs> <laughs> or, like or dropping any steak in the tank of my toilet in the bathroom. Oh, yeah, oh not God. good. Not good. No, not good. Won't be eating any poop either. All right, well, I'll see you in a few days. See you there. A couple days. All right, talk to you later. Bye. Bye.